Too smart for your trading app? Tired of brokers made for beginners? Then it's time you get serious. It's time you join Tasty Trade. The tools and tech you need for a tough market, plus low and capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more, all in one place. If you trade anywhere else, you're missing out. Join the club, genius. Visit TastyTrade.com. Tasty Trade Inc. is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA, NFA, and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with lucky number 13, the Dow riding a near historic win streak, looking to match a record hit more than 100 years ago, following the Fed's latest rate hike and Jay Powell leaving the door open for more. And not just the Fed. The European Central Bank also releases its latest policy decision today. Investors all but certain it will follow the Fed's lead. And bracing for the biggest day of the earnings season, which has so far been a catalyst in sending the market higher. Plus, shares of Meta platforms. They are popping right now in the pre-market and doing something for the first time since 2021. And then later on the show, investing outside the box and under the radar. Today, we look at crypto and what, if anything, could trigger a breakout higher. It is Thursday, July the 27th, 2023, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you started for this day. We're going to kick it off with a check on U.S. stock futures in the Dow, riding a 13-session win streak. That's the longest since 1987. And if it ends higher today, it will be the index's longest such win streak since all the way back in 1897. Taking a look right now, futures solidly in the green. The Nasdaq doing the best, up over 1% right now in the pre-market. All right, we're also watching a big pop in Nasdaq futures, up more than 1% on the heels of some stellar results from Meta Platform shares. Much more on that in just a moment. You're looking at the chart of Meta. Big spike to the upside after that earnings report. We're going to dig deeper into that. Shares up almost 8%. And all this after the Federal Reserve resumed its historic rate hiking campaign, boosting key rates by 25 basis points to their highest level in 22 years. Chairman Jay Powell leaving the door open for even more. I would say it is certainly possible that we would raise funds again at the September meeting if the data warranted. And I would also say it's possible that we would choose to hold steady at that meeting. We're going to be making careful assessments, as I said, meeting by meeting. And on the heels of yesterday's decision, we are checking the bond market. So we're seeing yields mostly staying the same, just ticking up very slightly on the benchmark 10 year. Same story for the short end of the curve with the two year note. Not a lot of movement, just a very slight tick. We're also looking at energy, oil riding a four-week win streak and closing in, getting very close. We're looking at WTI at 80 bucks a barrel, right now up 1%. You're seeing this steady move to the upside over the last month, almost 18% higher, 17.5% higher in just the last 30 days. Okay, as we mentioned, futures are pointing to more gains on Wall Street, but let's see how global markets are digesting the latest from Jay Powell. As Europe prepares for another major central bank call, we have our Jamana Brissetti live in our London newsroom with much more. Jamana. That's right, Frank. So the handover has been pretty positive. Uh, Asian markets, for the most part, are trading in the green. Shanghai Composite slightly negative, down two-tenths of a percent. Though over there, we, we continue to see a slide in industrial profit. So that's weighing on the index. Hang Seng and Hong Kong up 1.4 percent. The property sector continues to do quite well. And then the Nikkei up seven-tenths of a percent. Don't forget, we've got the Bank of Japan meeting overnight to watch out for as well. Over here in Europe, all of the bourses are trading nicely in the green. A lot of earnings are coming through today. FTSE 100 way down a little bit by the likes of 
Barclays, that stock is down about 5%, as well as Shell disappointing on profits. ZZX in Germany up 1% despite some disappointing earnings out of the automakers, namely VW. But the number one event we're watching out for today is the ECB. A 25 basis point rate hike is widely expected from today's decision, with traders eyeing President Christine Lagarde's press conference this afternoon to get a hint at what happens next. Eurozone harmonized inflation stuck at 5.5 percent in June. That is down from May, but core inflation has increased in the period to 5.4 percent, leaving an uncertain path for the central bank. This, as some of the PMI indicators, has started to slow down. Not a lot of movement in fixed income today, but that could change in a couple of hours, Frank. Our Germana, thank you very much. Our Germana Bersetti, live in our London newsroom. Let's keep the conversation going. Joining me now, Adam Villa, Director of Portfolio Strategy at EP Wealth Advisors. Adam, it is great to have you here with us. Great to be with you. All right, so look, Fed yesterday, quarter point hike, as expected. We all thought that was going to happen. What did you think about Jay Powell saying that the Fed remains data dependent? And also saying he doesn't see another hike until a year from now. That will put us in July of 2024. How do you see that impacting the markets? Yeah, so look, I, I think that Jay Powell is starting to figure this, this messaging thing out. It was a really balanced message on, on the whole, as expected. And I, I think that they are data dependent. I take him at his word, and I, he's not showing his cards. I don't frankly know. Uh, I'm not convinced that he knows what his cards are yet. And so he's going to wait and see how this data plays out. Whether there's a, another hike in September or November, I think, remains to be seen. We're focused on when they actually start cutting rates, and we don't think it's going to be for some time. All right, so you're interested in when they eventually cut. I want to bounce something off you. We have some new research from Morgan Stanley overnight. All but ruling out a recession, and the note goes on to say, in part, we continue to see a soft landing for the economy this year. With inflation and wages slowly easing, as well as job gains, we continue to look for the Fed to hold at the peak rate of 5.375 for an extended period before making the first 25 basis point cut in March of 2024. Surprised by that take from Morgan Stanley? Is it even possible after what Jay Powell said yesterday? I think that that's, that's fairly in line with our view, actually. I, I think that makes sense, that we're not expecting the first rate hike until, or excuse me, the first rate cut until sometime in, in early 24. I think but, but he said a year from now, that's the second half of 24. So, so, so yeah, I, I would say that we're expecting it the first half, uh, the first half of 24, we're not going to see multiple rate cuts. What, what I think was notable from, from what Jay Powell said yesterday was that he said policy rates are now restrictive, but they haven't been restrictive enough for long enough, meaning that they might cut a little bit. But what the bond market is currently pricing in, five cuts of 25 basis points between now and the end of 2024, that's just hard to see. And, and, and that certainly doesn't match up with what the equity market is telling us. All right, give us a sense what you think about the markets, especially for this day ahead. I'm looking at the Nasdaq futures up over 1% right now. A lot of people thought this rally was at least partly fueled by the idea that this would be the last hike. Clearly, that's not the case. The door is open, as we've been saying all morning long. Do you believe that technology can continue to run simply, it seems like, on AI enthusiasm? I think it can, at least over the short term. You know, our, our longer term view over the next several months is, is more cautious. We are, we are slightly underweight equities. But I think over the short run, I think there's enough in the data to support this, this notion that the Fed may have actually engineered a softer or no landing scenario. We do believe there is a lag to these, uh, this policy tightening. And so we're not going to actually see that show up in the data for several months to come. That's why we want to still, you know, why it still doesn't really pay for us to be uh, ultra bullish at this time. All right. So not ultra bullish, but you're, you seem to be agreeing with what the Fed's saying. No recession, no crash, a no landing. Haven't heard that one. Adam Phillips, <laughs> great to have you here. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. 
All right, let's get to this morning's other top stories and a big money mover. That's Meta Platforms. Silvana Hanau is here with that. Good morning, Silvana. Hey, Frank. Good morning to you. Yeah, that's right. So shares of Meta Platforms popping in the pre-market. The parent company of Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp and Threads forecasting higher than expected revenue for its current quarter after topping estimates for Q2. Meta also says it returned to double-digit sales growth in its most recent quarter for the first time since 2021. CEO Mark Zuckerberg touting its Reels product as a key driver for increased user engagement. Reels uh, is, is a key part of this discovery engine, and Reels plays exceed $200 billion per day across Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're seeing good progress on Reels monetization as well, with the annual revenue run rate across our apps now exceeding $10 billion, uh, up from $3 billion last fall. Frank and Meta shares are up 167% year to date. How about that? How about that? Shares Ooh. up almost 8% right now. Looks yeah. like that run's going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Silvana, we'll see you later on the show. That's good. All right, a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, why it could be a tale of two food stocks as investors digest some unsavory results from Chipotle as they look ahead to McDonald's. Plus, one of the country's largest power grids getting set for a possible state of emergency ahead of a northeast heat wave. We're going to look at the stocks that are the most exposed. We have a very busy hour still ahead right here on Worldwide Exchange. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, unlocking the power of Thinkorswim, the award-winning trading platforms loaded with features that let you dive deeper into the market. Visualize your trades in a new light on Thinkorswim desktop with robust charting and analysis tools, all while you uncover new opportunities with up-to-the-minute market news and insights. Thinkorswim is available on desktop, web, and mobile to meet you where you are. It's built by the trading obsessed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com trading. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. We're getting set for the busiest day of earnings season and focus after the close. Chipmaker Intel shares already up 30% this year. Our Christina Partsenevelis has the key number to watch in that report. The PC bottom is here, but can Intel catch up to the likes of NVIDIA and AMD and AI? That's going to be top of mind for investors this earnings season. Intel is highly exposed to personal computers, and the recent week demand contributed to its biggest quarterly loss ever last earnings season. But the tide may be turning. Notebook shipments have been above expectations five out of six months so far this year, although still down double digits from last year. But Morgan Stanley's supply checks also indicate demand from the data center market remain weak due to excessive inventory, a negative for both Intel and AMD. And you've got investor interest that has shifted to AI chip plays, diluting Intel's central processing unit business, or the more traditional server business. Investors will want to know the AI demand effects on Intel's CPU business versus the GPU business made by the likes of NVIDIA. And on top of that, Intel is still paying catch-up in the AI world, only at 
that with its own AI chips in 2025. And part of the reason why Intel stock is only up about 30% year to date, less than AMD at 70%, and less than the SMH semi-ETF at 53%. But Intel is betting big on becoming a foundry player, producing chips for other companies. Although it remains to be seen whether that capital-intensive bet will pay off and how and much of the reason why so many on Wall Street right now have hold ratings on this stock. So again, Frank, we're going to be focusing on PC demand bottom, weaker data center revenue, and lastly, any progression in the foundry business. Back to you. All right, that was our Christina Parts and Evelis. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, investing outside the box and under the radar. Today, we look at crypto and what, if anything, could trigger a breakout higher for the coins and the sector's hottest stocks. We're also taking a look at the futures right now. The Nasdaq up over 1% in the pre-market. We're also looking at the S&P up over a half a percent. The Dow on a near historic win streak, just up fractionally right now. We're going to continue to watch it. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this break. Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, unlocking the power of Thinkorswim, the award-winning trading platforms loaded with features that let you dive deeper into the market. Visualize your trades in a new light on Thinkorswim desktop with robust charting and analysis tools, all while you uncover new opportunities with up-to-the-minute market news and insights. Thinkorswim is available on desktop, web, and mobile to meet you where you are. It's built by the trading obsessed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com trading. All right, time now for your big money movers. We start with IMAX reporting Q2 results that beat estimates helped by titles like Super Mario Brothers with expectations for even more gains from blockbusters like Oppenheimer and Barbie or Barbenheimer. Executives say the results come as more moviegoers show a preference for seeing movies in premium theaters. Shares of IMAX up over five and a half percent. Shares of eBay not getting a bid following a weaker than expected forecast despite beats on earnings and revenue for its most recent quarter. Higher investments in categories like auto parts, refurbished goods, and collectibles adding to its dimmer outlook shares down almost 5% in the pre-market. And Volkswagen shares driving lower after the company reported higher revenue but lower after-tax Q2 earnings and reaffirming its 2023 outlook. Volkswagen also lowering its full-year deliveries as its hedging effects and pressures from China weigh on that stock. Right now, shares down almost 3%. All right, we're going to stick with earnings. McDonald's shares moving higher as the company prepares to report Q2 earnings in the next hour. Expectations, they are high for the fast food giant, often seen as a bellwether for the restaurant industry, with analysts estimating nearly a 10% increase in same-store sales. All this is shares of Chipotle. They're getting smashed on a Q2 report that was mixed. CEO Brian Nickel warning an analyst of rising cost pressures in the months ahead, especially for two key commodities, beef and avocados. Let's talk more about this with Sarah Senator, senior analyst at Bank of America. She joins me now on the CNBC Newsline. Sarah, good morning. It is great to have you. Morning. Thanks for having me. All right. So looking at Chipotle shares right now, under a bit of pressure, the miss on revenue and the commodity headwinds with beef and avocados has investors selling. But you didn't change your price target or your buy rating. What did you see that you liked in that report? Well, I think one of the key important uh, metrics that we always look at for restaurants is same-store traffic. So are people are more people coming? Are they buying more things than they did last year in the same restaurants? And the answer for here for this one is yes. Uh, traffic continues to be among the best in the industry. It's up 4%. Um, plus, they still have you know, substantial opportunity to improve that further through throughput initiatives to make uh, the stores faster, to serve more people. 
Uh, so we see accelerating same-store sales from here if they can turn the dial up on that throughput. One question for you. We talk about valuation a lot of times when it comes to tech stocks. Looking at Chipotle trading at 45 times forward earnings, bit expensive for a fast casual, isn't it? Uh, it's not when you consider its growth. So, again, this is one of the best, fastest-growing concepts in restaurants. Uh, even though it's been around for decades, we're still seeing unit growth that is uh, 8 to 10 percent, possibly higher, uh, as well as same-store sales. As I said, the traffic alone is at 4 percent, and then there's ticket growth on top of that. Uh, we look at it on a normalized basis. This is a company that could have easily 7,000 stores in the U.S., plus um, however many more internationally, uh, we could see them open over the over the years. So we really don't think that this is um, expensive when you consider the growth, the returns on the on the stores, how profitable they are, and just how long the runway is for the for the company. Yeah, investors have been willing to pay for growth. So I want to turn to some of your research. According to your data, spending at fast food restaurants increased 5 percent year over year in June. We also saw a general decline in inflation. And then McDonald's also going viral in June. They brought back Grimace. I thought Grimace was gone, but they brought him back. They also launched the Grimace Shake. What are your expectations for this report from McDonald's? Yeah, so to your point, uh, you know, <laughs> they brought back and they've done an amazing job using uh, their you know, IP, if you will, to really connect with customers. So, you know, the marketing uh, and, the, and the menu initiatives that they've had over the last couple of years have just been you know, sort of one, one successful um, one successful uh, launch after another, including, you know, using Grimace. So we're expecting very strong same-store sales out of them in the second quarter, uh, up 9%. We also expect healthy earnings growth uh, on the basis of the, the 9%, the high single-digit same-store sales growth. Okay. Uh, we have earnings up, up 10% year over year. So if we had more time, I would ask you what Grimace is. I could never figure it out as a kid what he's supposed to be, but more importantly... Uh, how should investors view that McDonald's has been a relative underperformer, up only 11 percent compared to some of its peers? I'm talking about Shake Shack, Potbelly, Jack in the Box, other names rising more than 40 percent to almost 300 percent. Yeah, so I think, you know, look, this is such a great company over time, very stable performer. Uh, but as we talked about, you know, people are paying for growth. You have other concepts that are growing faster. And I think in an environment where the consumer is still spending, uh, where we are seeing inflation come down, there are going to be other companies that are going to benefit more from that uh, just in terms of their, uh, you know, power to, to, to turn that revenue growth into earnings growth. And I think, you know, in a year like this, people are going to want to be a little bit farther out on the risk curve. Um, that's why we've been uh, neutral on, on the stock, even though it is a great company. Sarah, it's great to have you here. And seriously, next time you come on, you got to tell me exactly what is Grimace supposed to be. It's just like a purple blob. I can never figure it out. I'll do my best. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Sarah, great to have you here. All right, turning our attention now to a developing story in PJM Interconnection, the largest U.S. energy grid covering more than 65 million people from Washington, D.C. to Chicago, now declaring a level one emergency ahead of what's expected to be the first major northeast heat wave of this summer. This after the rest of the country has already been enduring record temperatures of their own, a recipe that does not bode well for a certain sector of the stock market. Sophie Karp is a senior research analyst covering North American electric utilities at KeyBank Capital, and she joins me now. Sophie, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. All right. So explain this one to me. We're talking about a heat wave and it's impacting utilities negatively. So just normally you think uh, a heat wave means people are using more AC, more demand, higher revenues. Why is this bad for utilities? Well, there's a couple of things here, right? Uh, utilities uh, in the Northeast are specifically decoupled. Uh, their earnings are decoupled from load. So the heat wave 
that translates into more demand volumetrically does not really translate into higher earnings for them. But on the other hand, it, it increases the uh, likelihood of outages, and that translates into higher cost uh, in addressing those. Um, so that's uh, that's something that uh, definitely we will be monitoring closely. In some other areas, the heat waves will help utilities, right? It's uh, in the, specifically in the areas of Upper Midwest and uh, such as Michigan, Wisconsin, and in areas like that, where utilities uh, do have really the earnings are related to volumes that they sell. This may uh, help the uh, results for the year, right? Because uh, people focus on heat waves, but remember we had a pretty mild start to the summer, and the weather was okay. uh, below normal in the first half of the year. So it's actually something that may help the annual results. All right, so I want to talk to you a little bit more about weather and how it impacts these utility stocks. You have a pretty wide range of coverage. So I was looking at some data from the NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Federal Agency. They say there's a 90 percent chance of El Nino lasting into the winter. How does that impact utility stocks and which are the most exposed? So typically, uh, you know, negatively, <laughs> uh, the El Nino typically translates into milder weather, right? So heat wave actually uh, runs contrary to the El Nino phenomena. Uh, but yeah, like all of the utilities will be exposed to the pretty equally. Uh, milder weather generally equals uh, less volume for those who, um, you know, they're okay. not decoupled from volumes. So what, what companies and, uh, are the most exposed to this impact? Uh, I would say that this year we're specifically watching the upper Midwest, right, where we expect that the milder weather may translate into weaker volume across the board. Uh, we also specifically watch in the southeast. So in upper Midwest, we're watching Excel Energy, uh, Wisconsin Energy, CMS, and DTE. All right. So we're talking about all these possible headwinds. Certainly there have to be some of them that are your top picks in the space. Give us a sense of what you think are the best uh, picks in the utility space, the best investments for right now. Yeah, we're really focusing right now, given where we are in you know in the cycle and uh, weather as well on the value plays here, right? So I would I would point you in the direction of First Energy, which is a, a utility in Ohio, um, and as well as Northwestern, uh, which is a small cap utility in Montana, and both have idiosyncratic developments uh, that can uh, really translate into higher growth rates and less overhangs in the future years, and trade at a discount to this to the sector. So. One question outside of weather right now, Sophie, when it comes to EVs, is that a, a boost for these utility companies? Because you said that their revenues aren't necessarily tied to their loads. Uh, yes. So the EVs are definitely a boost, even if uh, the volumes are not necessarily boosting sales. Uh, the infrastructure updates, upgrades that are required to facilitate the EVs uh, are boosting uh, utility investment, and that will translate into sales, uh, higher revenues and earnings over time. So even okay. for utilities such as, you know, don't uh, necessarily volumetrically dependent, that will over time translate into higher investment and, and higher sales. All right. We had to leave on an up note. We were talking about so many weather headwinds, Sophie. We had to try to find some upside for this sector. Sophie Karp, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right. As we head to break, we're going to check shares of Barclays. The stock getting hit hard in overseas trading. The British bank reporting Q2 profit that beat estimates, but sales fell short. The bank also lowered net interest margin guidance for the year. Barclays also unveiling a new $973 billion buyback program. That was well ahead of the street estimates, taking a look at shares down more than 4%. Much more Worldwide Exchange back in a moment. It is right around 5.30 a.m. here in the New York City area, and there's still a lot ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. 
Wall Street looking to build on the back of the Fed's latest rate hike as investors gear up for the busiest day of the earnings season. Right now, futures are higher. And Meta taking off as its efficiency efforts seem to be paying off, notching its most profitable quarter in roughly two years. But new warnings about the road ahead. And big tech is the focus in Washington today as lawmakers get set for a renewed sector crackdown. It is Thursday, July the 27th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready for the day ahead. We're going to pick up the half an hour with the check when U.S. stock futures with the Dow riding a 13-day win streak. It's longest since 1987. As you can see, futures solidly in the green. The Nasdaq doing the best, up 1%. So I'm going to go back to the Dow for a minute. If we end higher on the Dow today, it would actually be its longest win streak since all the way back in 1897. And all this after the Fed resumed its rate hiking campaign, raising key rates to their highest level in 22 years with another 25 point hike. Chair Jay Powell saying the Fed probably still has a long way to go in tackling inflation. What our eyes are telling us is that policy has not been restrictive, restrictive enough for long enough to have its full desired effects. So we intend, again, to keep policy restrictive until we're confident that inflation is coming down sustainably toward our 2% target, and we're prepared to further tighten if that is appropriate. And we'll talk about Jay Powell and that Fed decision later in the show. But right now, we're checking the bond market on the back of that Fed decision. The benchmark right now at 3.87, just ticking up very slightly from yesterday. Same story for the short end of the curve. Not a lot of movement in the bond market. All right, time now for one of your big money movers. We are talking meta. Shares moving higher after the company beat expectations across the board, accelerating revenue growth to 11 percent for the first time since 2021 and forecasting further acceleration in the current quarter. You can see the big move to the upside for the stock. CEO Mark Zuckerberg highlighting expenses on the call to shareholders last night after raising 2023 and 2024 expense guidance. The year of efficiency was always about two different goals becoming an even stronger technology company, and improving our financial results so we can invest aggressively in our ambitious long-term roadmap. Uh, Now that we've gotten through the major layoffs, the rest of 2023 will be about creating stability for employees, uh, removing barriers that slow us down, introducing new AI-powered tools to speed us up, and, and so on. And joining me now, Sarah Kunst, Managing Director at Clio Capital. Sarah, it is always great to see you. Thank you. All right, so... Give me a sense of how you took that. They're going to raise expenses this year and next year. But a lot of us thought that this big rally year to date was all about the year of efficiency. If you're raising expenses, does that mean the year of efficiency is over? You know, I'm going to call this the year of llama. And and keep in mind, right, last year I was quite a meta bear. Uh, I was not buying what the metaverse was selling. But the reality is that Zuck has massively pivoted from that focus. And I think that a lot of that efficiency is not necessarily about cash. They're hiring AI engineers. Those are not cheap hires, particularly right now in Silicon Valley. I think it's a year of efficiency around, you know, focusing on products that could massively move the revenue needle like Llama 2. Their, their open source large language model and, and other AI efforts. And I'm excited about it. You mentioned Llama 2. Let's get back to this quarter and some of the things we learned about Llama 2. So again, I'm just showing the chart. Shares up over 150% year to date, big run. Back to the quarter, double digit revenue growth, first time in a while, I believe two years. Also, we saw single digit growth when it came to Facebook, something a lot of us thought people were kind of shifting away from. The Reels run rate going from 3 billion to 10 billion, that's a big jump there. 
And then more details on Llama 2. How excited are you about the idea of Llama 2? How much of what we're seeing right now in the pre-market, is that based on Llama 2 or the strong quarter? I think it's based on both, right? I think there's two themes here. One is, you know, that there's a, a obvious big chance that Facebook advertising, that the advertising across the metaverse is, you know, the meta universe is going to be very positively impacted by things like Llama 2. They have the engineering talent and they have the large language models in the data sets to be able to be a really competitive player in AI. And I think that reminding us about that with Llama 2 is that piece of it. And then the other piece is, you know, Facebook and Meta have historically been great at sort of copying, right? You look at Reels, their their TikTok competitor, and you look at things like, you know, the launch of Threads, the competitor of the the app formerly known as Twitter. And those are interesting advertiser-friendly forays into spaces that have proven, you know, sort of utility with other companies that are having some trouble, I think, you know, potentially at scale. All right. When it comes to threads, when it comes to reels, everything else that Meta used to be Facebook is doing right now. Do you think they're in position to really compete with TikTok? Because a lot of what we heard on that call appeared when it came to the products, appeared to be focused on battling TikTok and maybe even taking down what's left of Twitter or X, whatever that's called now. I mean, I think the reality is that, that you know, Reels got a, a certainly a slow start to TikTok. But if you're on Instagram, the product's sticky. It works. You spend a lot of time watching videos of people you don't follow that you do find engaging. And that's really the core of the TikTok experience. And the reality is because of some of the, you know, potential regulatory problems that, you know, Chinese company ByteDance, the, the parent uh, of TikTok, you know, is likely to have as they seek out, you know, becoming a public company and things like that. Uh, I I think that that Reels is here to stay and that it, it takes a meaningful piece right. of that TikTok you know, market share. I am personally a Reels fan myself. And you said this other word, metaverse. I don't even know what that means anymore. I don't, is that even a real thing? That feels like a dream now, Sarah. Sarah, it is great to see you. Always great to have you here on Worldwide Exchange. Thank you. All right. For more on Meta's results, don't miss a first on CNBC interview with Meta CFO Susan Lee. That's today at 1140 a.m. Eastern. All right, time now for our week-long special looking outside the box for some under-the-radar investing opportunities today. We're going to zero in on crypto, which has outperformed even some of the most high-flying parts of the market this year. Mackenzie Sagalos joins us now with a look at the potential risk and rewards ahead for the sector. Mac, it is great to see you. Hey, good to see you, Frank. So it's definitely a pivotal moment for the crypto sector. A crucial federal court ruling could stifle efforts by SEC Chairman Gary Gensler to wrangle what he calls the Wild West of trading. A judge in New York has cast doubt on whether the SEC has a clear path to regulate most altcoins as securities. That ruling largely viewed as a net win for altcoin traders who feared an imminent crackdown from regulators, as well as for Coinbase, which faces its own legal battle with the SEC. The top 100 digital assets are up 48 percent this year, compared to 17 percent for stocks and 9 percent for gold. Meanwhile, Bitcoin is outperforming the Nasdaq 100, as are crypto pegged stocks like Coinbase, Galaxy Digital and MicroStrategy. But Bitcoin can't seem to break out from the $30,000 price level. One reason being there isn't much investor interest. We're seeing some support from institutions, but there's no real catalyst to drive the price either higher or lower. Things that would normally affect Bitcoin, such as the Fed raising rates, are barely moving the needle. What the market appears to need is a return of confidence from retail and institutional investors. That could potentially happen if an ETF that directly tracks the spot price of Bitcoin is approved. 
Some of the biggest names in TradFi are racing to be the first to offer one, including BlackRock. Now, if spot ETFs get the green light, they could spur a buying spree as firms purchase Bitcoin to meet reserve requirements. We're also seeing movement on crypto legislation on Capitol Hill. And crucially, Frank, there is a technical event called the Havening coming up next April, which typically marks the start of a bull run for Bitcoin. All right, Mac, always great to have you here with your crypto expertise. Mackenzie Sagalos, thank you very much. Our next guest made some waves earlier this year when he put out a note saying that Bitcoin could zoom all the way to $100,000 by the end of 2024. Just a few weeks ago, he updated that outlook, saying if the stars, if they all align, there's even more upside than that. Jeff Kendricks, the head of crypto strategy at Standard Chartered. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Frank. All right, let's talk about this. Let's, Let's talk about all the stars aligning, everything just kind of falling into place. What is your updated price target for Bitcoin at the end of 2024 now? It's higher than 100,000? I think somewhere in the 100 to 120,000 range by the end of the end of next year is now looking likely. When I put out my first note a couple of months ago looking for 100,000, I talked about a number of drivers and quite frankly on each of those I'm even more con- even more constructive than I was a couple of months ago. The first thing which happened in March in the US were U.S. banking concerns, SVB, et cetera, that everyone knows about. That helped Bitcoin get from about 20000 to about 30000 which is roughly where we're trading again right now. Other drivers within there were the Fed hiking cycle likely to end. I suspect that happened last night um, in terms of what we heard from Fed Chair Powell during the presser. The Fed are very likely to be done now. It would have to take very, very strong data going forward, okay. and it's much more likely. Wait, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to jump in for a second. Along. So you're so, saying that some of this rally has been pegged to the idea that that was the last hike. So if we see another hike, does that hurt this crypto rally? At the margin, you could argue that if the Fed were able to hike uh, again going forward or if they needed to, that could be actually because the U.S. economy is stronger than people expect. Right. Right now, the, the base case is that inflation keeps coming lower. Growth slows a little bit, etc. So if you were to see a, a, an even stronger economic outcome, then probably that would see stocks um, it, uh, perhaps actually edge a little higher and the Fed could do maybe one more hike. Um, so for them to do a lot more from here, I think is very, very unlikely. And that okay. that would that'd need to see inflation accelerating. All right. So as you mentioned, crypto has been out, you know, doing very well since the collapse of SVB up 18 percent since then. So have we officially seen the end of crypto winner? And is Wall Street trying to or starting to really understand the use cases for it? We've been talking about Bitcoin ETFs and things like that. Are we finally seeing an application that institutional investors can really jump into? For sure. Winter is over in terms of crypto. Um, I called that a couple of months ago and I stick by that today. Bitcoin's core use case is when there are concerns in the trad fire sector. We saw that a few months ago. Uh, and just now, and, and as uh, Mackenzie just mentioned earlier, we're getting close to the next halving uh, cycle. That's in about nine months from now. In previous cycles, around six months out from that, Bitcoin prices have started heading sharply higher. I expect the same this time. It's partly on the back of that core use okay. case around the trad, trad price sector as well, right, but we also because Bitcoin miners should do better. All right, we'll have to watch for that. Jeff Kendrick, your call, Bitcoin at 120000 by the end of 2024. Officially calling the end of the crypto winner. We'll have to check back in with you. All right. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, your morning call sheet and a double downgrade for one Chinese tech stock putting pressure on shares. We're going to show you that name coming up. 
Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange, a news alert this morning. Lawmakers in Washington taking a fresh look at big tech. Our Emily Wilkins joins us now with the steps Congress is set to take today. Emily, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Well, the rift between big tech and Capitol Hill is widening to the point that it's even bridging the divide between Republicans and Democrats. Senator Elizabeth Warren and Republican Lindsey Graham are introducing a new bill today that would create a five-member commission to oversee big tech companies. The regulatory group would review potential mergers, they would limit how personal data is used in targeted advertisements, and they would require that certain platforms be owned by U.S. citizens or have a U.S. subsidy, uh, among a number of other things that this committee could do. Warren told CNBC in a statement that many companies have exploited consumers' data, invaded users' privacy, and threatened national security, as well as stomping out competition in the economy. And, Frank, the Senate isn't the only one going after big tech. This afternoon, a House committee will vote on whether to hold Mark Zuckerberg in contempt of Congress. It's a move that could ultimately lead to some legal repercussions, but it's unlikely we're going to see him in handcuffs. The really interesting thing is that usually when lawmakers hold someone in contempt of Congress, it's a partisan politician, not a prominent CEO. In a letter to Zuckerberg this month, House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan accused Meta of taking down Facebook posts that the White House didn't like and then failing to provide the committee with requested documents. Meta spokesman Andy Stone says the committee has delivered more than 53,000 pages of documents and has allowed nearly a dozen current staffers to chat with the committee. So, Emily, tell us the status of the current antitrust regulation. Is there any appetite for that right now in D.C.? There is appetite. I think the difficulty is the oxygen, right? Congress has to pass a couple really major bills. They've got that government funding deadline that's coming up at the end of September. They're basically off for all of August. We're not going to see anyone around Congress for the next couple weeks. And so that relieves them a really limited amount of time to get some very major pieces of legislation done. And at this point, it's just not clear that things like antitrust, big tech, or even this bill will make the cut. Uh, But certainly the fact that it is bipartisan, that you've got uh, Elizabeth Warren and Lindsey Graham. That's not a normal pairing for a bill. Uh, and it certainly speaks to, I think, the amount of momentum there is, even if it's not now, for eventually getting something done. All right. Our Emily Wilkins, live in D.C. Emily, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Time now for your morning call sheet. We're going to start with J.P. Morgan double downgrading its rating on Billy Billy to underweight. JPM says while it remains positive on the company's strong user engagement among China's Gen Z users, it is becoming more cautious on Billy's monetization outlook. Shares of Billy Billy down 2% right now. Morgan Stanley also cutting Carvana's rating but raising its price target. It says while it gives Carvana's management some credit for carrying out key cost savings, significant challenges remain when it comes to used car consumers and the viability of the company's long-term business model. Shares of Carvana up just over a half a percent right now. And we're going to go your stock of the morning. What else? Meta Platforms. A flurry of upgrades on the back of earnings with UBS, Jefferies, RBC, and Mizuho all bumping their price targets to 400 bucks per share. Shares of Meta Platforms, as we've been telling you all morning long, up almost 8.5%. Time now for your global briefing. We begin with the European Central Bank set to issue its latest policy decision at 8.15 a.m. Eastern. Expectations are the central bank will raise rates by 25 basis points. Bank chief Christine Lagarde will hold a press conference on that decision at 8.45 Eastern. Shares of oil giant Shell under a bit of pressure after reporting a sharp year-over-year drop in second quarter profit. Adjusted earnings of $5.1 billion. That missed analyst expectations, fueled in part 
by weaker energy prices shares down just over 1%. Samsung reporting a 95% plunge in profit for the second quarter as weak demand for its memory chips continued while the company says global demand is expected to gradually improve in the second half of the year. Macroeconomic risk could make that rebound challenging. Taking a look at shares of Samsung right now, just up over 2.5%. We also want to bring your attention to some breaking news out of Europe. EU antitrust regulators, they've opened an investigation in Microsoft of tying its chat and video app teams with its office product. The EU says Microsoft may be abusing and defending its market position and productivity software. We're taking a look at shares of Microsoft now, uh, up 1%. Again, that news just breaking. EU regulators taking a look into Microsoft and antitrust possible violations. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the one word that every investor needs to know today. Plus, we lay out a very busy day ahead and new warning of why August could provide a fresh test for the market's rally. Much more Worldwide Exchange back right after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. We're going to continue with that breaking news. EU antitrust regulators, they've opened an investigation into Microsoft tying its chat and video app teams with its office product. Looking at shares of Microsoft, up 1%. Again, that news just breaking. We're also following the Justice Department and EPA investigating the potential health and environmental risk stemming from a network of toxic lead cables across the U.S., focusing on whether telecom companies had knowledge of that potential risk to their workers. Amazon announcing it's cutting hundreds of jobs at its fresh grocery stores as it looks to increase efficiency and restructure its in-store staffing and operations model. PJM Interconnection, the largest U.S. power grid, declaring a level one emergency for its 13-state eastern grid and calling on all power plants to operate at full capacity during the upcoming heat wave. Align Technology Share is getting a boost after beating earnings and revenue estimates, also issuing strong full-year guidance. That stock now trading near a 52-week high shares up over 13%. And shares of Chipotle moving in the other direction, looking to extend yesterday's losses after the burrito chain warrant of cost pressures in the coming months from higher beef and avocado prices. Key part of that guacamole they offer shares down more than 8.5%. All right, with the busiest day of earnings on tap and yet another central bank decision today, plenty of fuel for the trading day, but it could be a rocky month for the markets in the days and the weeks ahead. That's according to Fundstrat and a new note. They say in part, markets have entered a window for potential short-term trend change, but do not expect much selling until August. Near term, an S&P 500 in the range of 4,500 to 4,620 might hold into the last couple of days of July before weakening down to 4350, 4400 in mid-August before the rally continues. For more, let's bring in Surat Sethi, managing partner at Douglas C. Lane and Associates. Surat, great to see you. Good morning, Frank. All right, I want to bounce that off you first. Following that Fed decision, that's how Fundstrat sees the market shaken up. Uh, No big sell-off in the near term. What do you think about the day ahead? Look, I I think earnings are going to be really important. We've had a few stocks that have just really taken this market to a new level. And we need, we need the rest, the 490 other stocks, to do the same. So I think earnings from Comcast, earnings from Honeywell, uh, you know, are going to be really important. We had good numbers from GE. We, you know, that's going to Boeing. We have to look at the industrial companies. That's why you're seeing the Dow doing well. If you get that, you're going to get that next leg. You're going to get a sustainable move, or at least stay here. If you don't, some of the stocks that are holding this market up that are pretty highly valued, uh, you're going to see them come down. All right. So you mentioned some of the stocks that are really highly valued. 
At the same time, you're talking about industrials and some of the other parts of the market that weren't getting as much action in the first half of the year. With that in mind, what is your WEX word of the day? Diversification. Uh, look, I think it's great to own the, the tech stocks that have done well, but there's so many other companies out there like the Honeywells of the world, the Boeings of the world, McDonald's, um, you know, and then healthcare. I mean, there's a huge amount of companies that are defensive trading at single digit multiples that I think, you know, if where we are with the market and what the Fed said, look, we're going to raise once and we're going to wait and see. And I think that's where you have to look and say, where's the potential going to be in this market with interest rates where they are? And I think you have to kind of rebase the whole capital market structure because the Fed has said, basically, we're not going to cut rates. And if they're going to cut rates, it's really going to be for the reasons that none of us want. All right. So, Sarai, right. you're talking about other parts of the market, even as we see a stock like Meta trading much higher on a lot of AI enthusiasm. We hit on that earlier in the show. So what moves would you make today? Would you put some money into, into, into industrials or maybe even the restaurant space? Obviously, as we mentioned, McDonald's about to report. I would actually take a little bit of money off the tech stocks. I mean, we own Meta. I would diversify a little bit out of Meta. It's, it's done everything you wanted to do, the efficiency model, the AI, the advertising. The stock was 90 just a few months ago. So take some of the winners. It's okay. It doesn't mean you have to sell it all, but take some of that, move it to kind of the areas that have not done well. And I'm talking healthcare. I'm talking about defensive utilities, uh, commodities. Commodities are going to do well in an environment where we know we're going to have some embedded inflation. So look to see whether there's opportunity elsewhere in the market, okay. not just with the winners the whole time. All right. So, Sarah, you're saying diversify. At the same time, I'm looking at the Nasdaq futures up almost one and a quarter percent. How do you see the rest of this day playing out after that hike? And Jay Powell clearly not closing the door to another one this year. Uh, I think the market's going to be strong today because what Powell basically said is we're going to be data dependent. And data dependent means that we're not just going to go forward like you did in the, in the last few uh, you know, uh, times where you said we're going to be raising. So I think the market's kind of saying, hey, if we can price in and discount the levels we're at today, then we can actually see where we want to be. The uncertainty taken out, I think, provides a good foundation for the market. And Frank, it's going to be earnings. I mean, none of these companies are going to do well unless you have strong earnings. And you look at what happened with Google and Meta, they did very well. Yeah. If you okay. actually do not provide the earnings that the street's looking for, your stock's going to get hurt. All right. A lot to watch. We've got McDonald's coming up. Big day. I think it's the busiest day of this earnings season, Surat. So a lot to watch. Thank you so much for being here. It is always great to see you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. we got Squawk Box coming up next. Thanks for being here. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Too smart for your trading app? Tired of brokers made for beginners? Then it's time you get serious. It's time you join Tasty Trade, the tools and tech you need for a tough market, plus low and capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more, all in one place. If you trade anywhere else, you're missing out. Join the club, genius. Visit TastyTrade.com. Tasty Trade Inc. is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA, NFA, and SIPC.